Welcome to We're Too Literary. I'm your host, Jonathan. And I'm Kenny. And we are going to dive as deep as we can into Velma. And there's not much deepness there to dive into. There's really not. Deep is not even the not even the right word here. It's not, but it's what I came up with for lack of a better term. And before, you yeah, before anybody tries to say we didn't give it a chance, as of this recording, we have currently watched four out of the six released episodes. Yeah. And maybe we'll continue on. I say we do just so we can give it a fair shot, but four out of six and it's, I've laughed a couple times, but it's not great. Yeah. I should have written down the few moments that did in fact make me laugh. And it was few and far between. And I want to say that the humor behind them was indeed pretty immature. Bodily humor is funny. Somebody making a fart sound or a burp, you know, that kind of thing can be funny. There was a few moments that I feel like were that level of humor that kind of got a chuckle out of me. But ultimately, oh, we didn't go into this with the idea of hate watching it. We absolutely went into it with an open mind and hoped for the best we really did that's correct i mean i wanted to give it a fair shake i grew up watching scooby-doo i enjoy it i like this idea of a more adult-centric one and seeing what they would do with it and they i mean i'm not saying that they tarnished the name and have ruined scooby-doo but they just made something weird and outlandish and like the first scene the first scene is a bunch of high school girls taking a shower with like soap obscuring body parts. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely went to a more adult place with this. And I'll just jump right in and say, for those of you who don't really may not really want to hear a discussion about Velma because you've already kind of made your opinion and maybe nobody else matters. I'll just say now that what I think is one of the big faux pas of this series so far is the fact that it tries to be as funny as it hopes itself to be if it took itself just a bit more seriously i bet this could be something pretty good but with that being said we're still going to jump right into this as a this is what we've watched out of the four episodes and it's just it's not scooby-doo and and to its fairness the title is velma so correct and Maybe they're trying to make some kind of long continuity thing of how they get to where they are in the original Scooby-Doo. But that's just even more weirder because I'm pretty sure there are like kid-centric Scooby-Doo shows where the, the gang is all together already. So, yeah, yeah they should have just tried to be their own thing. And the amount of like fourth wall conversations and break, it didn't work for me. It, it just pulled me out every time. I'm with you 100% because the whole beyond the fourth wall breaking is the delivery of a lot of the jokes and timing in comedy is everything. I agree. That is a known rule of comedy is that timing is everything when it comes to being funny and all of the jokes delivery throughout the show so far up through episode four have been just ill-timed. 98% of the time. I'd agree. So many bad jokes when they don't need to. Well, and more than that is like the few times they make a good joke that could have landed. There's no time to enjoy it before it's rushing on to the next joke. And then the next one after that. So like one of the jokes I enjoyed was at the end of episode two, 
when Fred freaks out and jumps on the table. We actually got a little time because that's the end of the episode. So it lands and it plays out rather than just rushing on to the next poorly done joke or fourth wall breaking. Right. The way that they just deliver everything feels like they're rattling off a list of jokes as quickly as possible and hoping one of them hits and calling it good. And it just doesn't feel right. And it also feels like it's trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy as opposed to just being natural. It could be funny. It could be adult. I could see an adult Scooby-Doo kind of theme like this, but it just hasn't made sense yet. And they've introduced elements to each of the characters to give a little bit more depth to them. So like we learn right off the rip in episode one that Velma is actually not sure what happened to her mother and she is hoping to find her to give that incentive of the whole mystery purpose. It's how the mystery ink comes together and that hasn't even come close to happening yet. We have no, well, let's just say in the very beginning, Fred is accused of being a murderer and by Velma also by Velma. And he's also dumber than snot, man. They made yeah. Fred into an absolute moron baby. It's just hard to imagine Fred the way he is now compared to what he was when we were watching him as kids. He doesn't come across nearly as manly as he does in the original Scooby-Doo series. He was always the one that kind of seemed like he had more of that just don't worry, everybody. We have nothing to be afraid of kind of attitude. And right now, he seems like he would just be the biggest wuss on the planet. I'm not sure how manly it is to wear an ascot, but otherwise I can see where you're going. I mean, he was a fancy dude. That's fine. I, they definitely did keep the character design for sure. The clothes are effectively the same. They do obviously change clothes in this one. So it's not like there's that continuous hey they're always wearing the same thing or you know unless they're wearing like some puffy overcoat or something like that well i mean and maybe i don't remember but i disagree like they except for like a costume change for the purpose of a scene i don't think any of them change their outfits do they in the new Velma's, in, in, the in the new, new one, one yes. yeah yeah for they've done it for different bits mostly well and that's what i'm saying like they'll do it for a scene for the purpose of it but it's not like for a whole episode, Velma's going to wear pants and like a tank top the entire episode. She, in episode three or four, she changes her outfit to like try to fit in. And two minutes later, it's gone. And she's back in her normal outfit. Yeah, because they tried to pull that joke of you'll never be any different than what you really are underneath all of that. But exactly. then they kind of counter their own point later when one of the girls was it Becca? I think it was Becca. Anyway, there was another one of the girls that was, or maybe it was Gigi. Anyway, doesn't matter. It was one of Daphne's friends that after Velma does this whole, just be yourself. Then she comes out of the bathroom looking like herself. And then she had always looked like one of the popular pretty girls before, instead of deciding to be herself and be one of the pretty kind of goth or more just punk. I don't. Yeah. I'd go with punk, I think. Alternative? Either way, it was just so far the whole thing has been an interesting ride. So again, we 
start out by getting a little bit more understanding of Velma and her history and how she is kind of the outcast of her classmates because in the beginning we start with that shower scene you were talking about and follow up with learning that one of the girls has been murdered her head has her brain has literally been removed from her head we just see this girl student on the ground with her head her skull falls off the body is in velma's locker which she opens up and it falls out onto her i believe or onto the ground and the head pops off and empty skull and yeah it's the start of a mystery that is being pinned on velma for reasons yet to be known and maybe that is the thing about at least the story so far that has kind of kept us going is it's not so much that we're at least for me i feel like my interest in continuing to watch it is because it's so off key but then they do have a plot line where i'm like i kind of want to understand just enough to satiate that feeling of why did they choose to tell this story about Velma in this particular way? That's fair. And I'm curious as well. I'm hoping it is at its core still a good mystery box show. We have two major mysteries that need to be solved. Who is killing the girls and what happened to Velma's mom? And I'm pretty sure they'll tie into each other. I feel like it's going to be done very poorly. My biggest concern is that it's not going to be something where you could watch through again and pick up on the clues left behind to be able to see how you could have solved it sooner had you noticed stuff. Yeah, I think they've got this one set up in a way where they're deliberately making sure the storytelling is the only thing that's going to give it up, that you're not going to be able to guess it ahead of time. Which is the, to me, poor form for a mystery box. You should be able to watch, and if you're paying enough attention, see the little clues to lead you to what's going on. Now, a good mystery box, you wouldn't understand those clues till you got to the end, so you could watch again to see it. So it'll be hard to say until mysteries are solved whether or not that's true. I have a feeling based on what I'm seeing now, it won't be, but I do hope to be proven wrong. I kind of do as well. I would like to see something change in the tune of this and of course we got a season two order already so maybe we'll see something happen in season two when they decide to go hey we heard what everybody said do we really have a season two order yes oh my oh oh no no joke after they announced that season one episode one had the worst rating that they've seen in a long time they were like hbo's already ordered a second season and we were like oh okay, Netflix is over here canceling things like Warrior Nun and God knows whatever else. And HBO's like, we've got the worst show on our platform that we've had ever, and we're going to bring it back for a second season. Booyah. Okay. Let's see how this goes. So we are hoping for a redemption arc, genuinely. It's interesting to see how this is unfolding, and I feel like a little bit of it, well, okay, sorry, backpedal. A lot of it has to do with the writing. Some of it has to do with the delivery of the voice actors. I'm not going to be picky about that aspect of it. That's not exactly what we're here for as far as this discussion. I'll stick to 
the writing more so and just say that, yeah, there is a combination of the two here, but. Well, and they have a great cast list. I mean, all these people I have enjoyed in other things, but you're right. To me, it comes down to the writing and when the writing fails, you can't do much past that or it's hard to do to build past that. Right. So episode one, we get this quick an easy let's get this pilot going by showing off the death of another student getting some of the history of velma she actually has hallucinations based on her hang-ups with her mother not ever coming back after she solved her own christmas mystery and found her presence and it tore her up inside that she was so guilty about not having any presents to open on christmas day that she made her mom feel bad enough that she decided to go to the store to get her something else and that is when she never came home and so now she has these crazy anxiety attacks that i'm really confused about how they're actually doing any direct physical harm not to downplay the mental illness behind this it's absolutely i'm sure valid to people who've experienced this but i am trying to understand the element of emergency they put behind it when they kind of introduce more of the hallucinations that she experiences and how it draws her to a point of where you feel like you're running out of time in a video game. And if you don't figure out the solution, you're just going to die. That's kind of the way that they play these sequences out. And I find it a little odd. It's like you're drowning on a sonic level. Yeah. And they've used it as a plot driving device to further some i'm not really sure they use it as a point when they decide to introduce the fact that shaggy is enamored with velma and yet no no no. it's norville remember sorry norville you're correct norville is enamored with velma and when she expresses that she's not as interested in him and he's trying to help her with this hallucination scenario that she's dealing with, she laughs at the idea of him liking her. And that helps bring her out. So something about laughing and being amused brings her out of these hallucinations. And then also being horny. Yes. (laughs) Being horny is a constant theme through the show. Which it's an easy way to make it an adult show, I guess. And also describing the constant idea That's all high school is just one horny education. I don't know. But they always seem to somehow incorporate that element into anything that has to do with a high school. (laughs) All of that to say that episode one packs in just a whole lot to unpack. You like what I did there? Yes, (laughs) I did. Well played. Well played. It seriously does. It gives you a lot to unpack. You find out right at the end of the episode after... Norville helps Velma through a pretty interesting panic attack that there's another dead girl, this time stuffed in Velma's recycle bin, trash bin, trash bin. I'm pretty sure it's her trash bin. But you have to remember, they find that out after Velma doesn't frame, but thinks she's figured out that Fred is the murderer and gets him arrested by Daphne's parents. Right. Daphne's parents are a lesbian couple who are also cops. And I don't remember if it's established in this episode or like one of the next ones, but, you know, Daphne is adopted and doesn't know who her mom is. 
And so everybody on this show has fucking mommy issues. Actually, you're right. So far, they do. They really do. And yeah, we'll roll with the we'll roll with the theme for now. But we get into episode two and find out that Daphne's a drug dealer and Daphne somehow has the file to her to Velma's mother's disappearance, which I did they explain why she had yes, that? They did. So Daphne's parents are obviously right, the police cops. and they've been like looking into it. I think they're detectives. I don't remember that. Oh, they are. And so they have a file on the investigation. So Daphne takes it for Velma. Okay. To get so to her. Clearly not a plot hole. Clearly that all ties together. And guess what? I don't think there are very many plot holes so far in the writing. So that suggests that the writing's at least thorough, right? Yeah. If not well done. Oh, and I didn't even I didn't even think to mention, I think this was in the first episode as well, but there was like a whole chase montage where there was a bunch of music going on. And then also Fred came to Velma's defense and threw a paper cutting. I can't remember what those are called right now, but you are able to like slide the paper in and cut it down into a shape that you might want. You mean like a paper shear? Yeah. He uses the, he uses that in a moment of hey everybody don't pick on velma and straight up cuts a dude's leg off <laughs> and that was something i think i laughed at yes they completely ignore that for it's a reoccurring joke it happens repeatedly it did yes i don't remember if it's this episode or if it's just in every episode but yes his leg gets cut off and repeatedly at least three times and I guess they think that's a good joke. I mean, I'll grant you, I think I chuckled a little bit at the idea, but I was also just like, that was wildly unexpected and really just unnecessary. But here we are. There's a student in a high school who just had his leg cut off, but isn't reacting like somebody who just had their leg cut off and proceeds to, I don't know, put it back. Because later on, they have that little dance montage where. Velma's trying to run away and they're on a scooter or some shit and she bumps into him on the way through and knocks him clean off of his leg again. It was just a big what the hell. And anyway, so we're in episode two finding out all this stuff and that is it. It's more of that plus bad delivery. Right. Like episode two, like you said, delves into the candy woman which is Daphne selling drugs because she's trying to get money. But then it's also the B plot of Velma's father trying to get Fred off of his murder charge, which is mildly amusing at times. As I said earlier, at one point during the trial, when it seems like it's going their way and Velma's going to finally come to Fred's rescue and prove his innocence, he ends up snapping because yes, he has underlying rage issues jumps on the table like after stomping a stake covered in blood threatening people so yeah he ends up going to jail <laughs> yeah okay so i guess that was kind of amusing was when we were in the courtroom scene Velma's dad is defending fred and somehow velma gets involved with bringing the attention to the court that fred is incapable of taking care of himself so let alone he couldn't kill these girls 
and they bring out a plate with steak on it and tell Fred to eat it, basically just eat like normal. But because he's so babied and pampered by his parents, he doesn't know how to cut a steak on his own. And we're talking about a, what, 17-year-old dude? I don't remember what grade they're in. Are they seniors? I don't think it's ever expressed. Okay. Well, Fred's somewhere in high school age, and he doesn't cut his own meat. And so he starts asking for cutties. He's like, cutties? Anybody cutties? Because he needs somebody to come cut his steak for him. And when everybody starts laughing at him is when he gets triggered and enraged and then jumps up on the table and says that I did it. I cut those girls. And it's clearly a lie. He's just trying to impress his father who thinks he's just a incapable man boy. He's a man child. Yeah. And Glenn Howerton plays it well. But at the same time, it's ridiculous. Right. To think that Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And yet here he is. Actually, this isn't a stretch. He can totally play a man child. (laughs) Yeah, he absolutely can. But he does it a little too well, I think, in that Fred has his freak out moment and does what he does. It was amusing because it was sad. It was a moment of just weakness where you're like, wow, that's this is hard to watch. I'm going to be brutally honest with this one, folks. I really can't not be brutally honest with it because... The show is trying way too hard, and I want it to potentially get better. I do. It seems like it would be fun to see where they could take this if they could stop being so impulsive with their comedy. And I can agree with that. And I could, I can understand certain aspects of it. And maybe they're just trying to show us how people get to a certain stage. But it's so just, it's almost too on the nose and too unfunny. Like, they're trying really hard like the whole norville aspect not calling him shaggy great shaggy's not a real name i get it but then he's constantly talking about not doing drugs and on a straight and narrow essentially which yeah weird but okay so eventually we see him go off the deep end and become a druggie or a pothead or something at some point because that would be better than developing him in another manner and it, it Scooby Doo, and there is no Scooby Doo, which I get because you. I read a little bit of trivia and insight in the show. And they couldn't figure out a way to make a talking dog be adult and fit the theme of the show. But Velma has fucking hallucinations. Why doesn't Norville have hallucinations of Scooby? Yeah. So I'm just gonna brief, briefly touch on three and four. Just kind of get it out of the way here because we're not going to go too in depth on recapping everything. And I just want to get a get across what we've witnessed so far. So in in episode three. Well, okay. so at the end of episode two, we learned that Velma and Daphne are confused about their sexualities. And Daphne ends up helping Velma out at the end of the episode with another panic attack. But instead of making her laugh, because she can't for some reason, she chooses the alternative. They talked about earlier on that they were very close friends early on. They spent a lot of time together until Daphne sprouted, got hot, and left Velma behind, who felt like she didn't get hot and was just maybe thinking she was a nerd or something. Either way, 
they grew apart. And so now all of a sudden they're reconvening in this moment of Velma's having a panic attack. Daphne has an ulterior motive, at least at the moment, but then they find themselves kissing because that's the only thing Daphne can think of to help Velma with her panic attack. And when this happens, they both suddenly have some realizations. And that's when we lean into episode three, where they try to figure things out for themselves. And in doing so, they end up doing a weird self-defense class about who is the least vulnerable. And it's all about the female students. It gets it gets weird. It does. And the amusing thing is, as we're talking about it, I find myself laughing at the ideas that they're presenting. A self-defense tournament about who's the most vulnerable could be pretty entertaining. Yeah. And yet it doesn't, although there are a few, like, battles that are amusing. I mean, at one point, Daphne just sucker punches Zelma into a wall, like across a gymnasium. Like an anime-style fight. Yeah. That 100% happens. Also, so I'm perfectly fine with suspending belief in moments where it makes sense in shows in stories where it makes sense agreed it happens in moments where it makes sense however when you just kind of overlook straight up murdery things is where i start to draw a line with suspending belief they're talking about a show where the whole purpose was to track down the evil baddies whatever they were disguised as, that were doing criminal activities. So I'm going to recap here and say Fred cut off some dude's leg with a paper shear and nobody batted an eye. And now in episode three, they're doing a self-defense class that has been arranged by Principal Rogers that involves an audience. And at one point, Daphne ends up getting her hands on something that ends up being very much like a shiv and stabs the ever-loving shit out of one of the other female students. And nobody bats an eye. Again, I draw a line at suspending the belief when the whole purpose of Mystery Inc. was to solve crimes and they're actively committing them in this particular rendition of it. Where it's just like, okay, what what happened to the values that were upheld by the original Mystery Inc. group? This is not the kind of shenanigans that high schoolers get into, by the way. 100% no. Well, maybe you were in the wrong high school, sir. I don't even have a good response to that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. You had a better high school. Probably. the response. So we get a little bit more of that information about Velma and Daphne while they exonerate Fred because another dead girl shows up and so that makes it so that Fred's no longer in prison Norville's learning more about being a therapist and things it's a lot of different plots that don't really come together well it is and Norville almost immediately drops the ball because he forgets about his group session to focus on Velma, which leads to the, which leads to the prisoners rioting and busting out, which surprisingly weak walls there. Cause I think they throw one of the inmates through a wall, creating a giant opening. Yep. And then they all break away and it Fred ends up out in the middle of the forest. 
they all decide to figure out their own ways and fred says y'all got drivers and nobody has drivers because they're all prisoners it's just uncomfortable attempts at jokes and dialogue here and then all of a sudden out of nowhere daphne's moms the cops are there and ready to tase the shit out of fred there's just elements that i'm like none of None of this makes sense. Apparently, Siri thought that wasn't very nice of me to say. I don't know how much she was listening to. <laughs> she listens to everything. I heard her. <laughs> I just love how she popped in and was like, that's not nice. It's because I'm not saying nice things about Velma, Siri. Anyway, we move on to episode four, where we find out that the hottest girls in Crystal Cove High are the ones that are actually being targeted for these is serial murders. And... There's a little bit more development about that. Velma, the episode's called Velma Makes a List because the authorities ask her to make a list of all the hot girls so that they can downgrade them into not hot girl status to hopefully help them, which just weird feels lazy, feels lazy. It it feels. And I mean, it it's like they're trying to say something because, yeah, they enroll them in the UGO program, if I remember right, and make Velma the one responsible for it only for them to then come out and say that they shouldn't have to change themselves to protect themselves, which is a fair point. And like I said, they're trying to have a statement about the, it's not okay for them to express themselves however they want because other people might take it the wrong way, which I get. And it's a great thing to say, but it it just feels so weird and shoehorned in that it's not funny. And just kind of drags the episode down. And through the whole episode, Velma just, as she tries to make this list, can only write Daphne's name up. Yep. So she enlists Fred to help finish off the list. And he has this whole, well, okay, I should mention that I want to say it happened at least three different times that they did the whole Alan in the hangover and his seeing the mathematics of counting cards they did that montage on three different occasions twice with velma and once with fred where in this particular episode fred has that alan montage moment of hangover but it's for hotness and boobs that's all it is he looks at the yearbook and magically assesses all the hot women in high school and makes that list for Velma because Velma can't write anything other than Daphne. And then Velma actually goes out about making the girls that end up on the list less hot. But then the girls on the list that were trying to be less hot through this less hotness that they achieved by doing the reverse makeover, I guess. Yes. A reverse makeover. They, slowly but surely make their way back to their normal hot selves and tell Velma that they can't handle not just being themselves, to which we end up finding out that Gigi really does want to be herself. And suddenly, Norville has a new love interest because we... Was it Gigi? It was Gigi. It was Gigi. Okay. All right. Because, yes, as we're, present, as we're going through the Ugo program, she's the one that's, like, expressing herself differently feels bad and (laughs) yeah and in the end not everybody wants velma's dick which is great it was weird when daphne fred and 
Norvell all want to get with her. Yeah. But which brings the last like plot point of the episode is Daphne giving Fred the feminine mystique to read, which because he thinks it's about the X-Man, he immediately delves into the book and reads it and starts like recognizing people's inner beauty, which makes him then fall for Velma. Which at this point, this bit of plot is actually more amusing than it seems. It's funny to watch Fred deal with the whole reverse understanding of what hot is. It's really good. It was entertaining. It worked. There were a couple points on it that I liked. And maybe it's a sign of the show kind of gelling as it goes on, which is why I think we'll follow up. Yeah, we'll follow up at some point with the last half of the season and give our thoughts. And maybe even season freaking two. I mean, if they're going to have another season of it, we might as well just see if it gets any better from here, right? That's fair. We'll give it a try. But first, we have to finish season one. So here's where we're going to get different on you, folks. Here is where we are going to actually try something a little new. And that is that we didn't really think that we could adequately just make up new ideas for this particular show individually. So we wanted to come at you with an off the cuff kind of redo our own process, as it were, as we decide how we both would like to do this differently. Does that sound right? Sounds convoluted, but I, I think so. I think the gist of what you're getting at is that rather than a separate like tack or view of how we'd each do it, we're going to present one and build off each other. Right. So we'll each like start throwing out stuff to build on what the last person says as we essentially redo the show and its scope and what our intention would be. So the one thing that I want to say about it is that I'd like to keep the characters the same as they are. I want to make this better with what they've already given us. Sure. And I can get behind that and I can think of some ways that, yeah, I would do that. Okay. So I'll tell you what I think would be better. And you tell me if you want to play off of it or if you want to present your concept and we'll see. But at the very least to me, I think that the show could stand on its own and not have the horrible rating that it does if it were to just try to be a bit more serious and not try to be as funny as it's trying to be. Perfectly clear here. It's not funny most of the time. and so. It's not for its lack of trying, and therefore, if it could stop making that attempt and just go for the serious instead, I think it could be a good show. I can agree with some of that. I think I don't think they have to lose the humor, but I definitely think you could trim like 80% of the jokes, give the jokes that do work time to stand and breathe so that way they can play out and you can get the humor out of it. I right. would lean more serious. I would also definitely remove any of the fourth wall viewer winking moment. Like there, it's not necessary and maybe change up the horniness a bit because I get a very poor imitation of big mouth going up. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's trying to be a bit of big mouth comboed with Scooby-Doo minus Scooby comboed with, I don't know, the quippiness of like a Rick and Morty. 
admittedly, the writing behind Rick and Morty shows that timing with comedy is key and it works. There's other shows that also are great examples of that. If they cut back on the comedy and they time the jokes better, I think that Velma could stand on its own. We'll have to give it kind of a long term to see. Yeah. So I would also potentially ask Mindy to change her delivery style a bit because it feels very Mindy. Mindy. It doesn't feel like we're getting that far of a difference from Kelly from The Office. And I know that she kind of she's been typecasted. That unfortunately was something that at least for me, I'm such a big fan of The Office that when I hear Mindy calling, all I can hear is Kelly Kapoor. I'd agree. And I almost wonder if you say she's typecast, but maybe this is just the actress she is. I don't know. I've not seen her in a lot of other things, so it's hard to say. Yeah, true. But it just seems like it's not that she played Kelly Kapoor. Minnie Calling was just Minnie Calling, and she's this across whatever role she's in. Yeah. I mean, it's not like she hasn't done plenty of voice acting before. She was in Inside Out, as discussed, and she was also in Wreck-It Ralph. So she's done various voice acting before, but there's something about this one in particular where it just feels like she's just delivering what's in front of her. I don't feel like she's quite Velma yet. I don't think that she's settled into that role. And that's what makes a little bit of this hard to digest. Agreed. I do think the rest of them kind of have the voice acting portion of it down. I don't really think that I had any complaints about the voice acting so much as just the way that the characters are written. I would not have Fred be a man child. It doesn't make sense. And I can understand that. I think for me, I don't know. I mean, I think it gives him some place to start and work from as he grows into a Fred we would understand. I, I guess. think, yeah. you know, the, again, like if we take it at a, this is a precursor and we're going to see him develop into stuff, great, but it's a long-term thing and we have to see some kind of hints of that. And maybe the hint is that his father is so manly, that's what he'll grow into. I don't know. A little weird. But, you know, for me, a change would be I would bring Scooby into it. I understand they're trying to be adult, but do it as a devil on Norville's shoulder trying to encourage him down a different life path. That way we still have the weird talking dog. Well, but and even it plays still, into the reality of it. Even still, I would almost argue that they could include a Scooby-Doo and yet not have him necessarily be vocal in the same sense that he originally was. They could just have him be a very hyper aware dog, a dog that tries to communicate by just being a dog. I think that would actually land really well with people if they introduce a Scooby-Doo that doesn't necessarily talk, but still has goofy mannerisms about him that make him lovable and fun and just a part of it. Just being there, honestly, would be enough for me to feel like, hey, at least this is trying to be Scooby-Doo. But you have to remember, it's Velma, not Scooby-Doo. And why did they? Why? Why in particular did it have to be Velma? I think Velma is a fan favorite that probably has more reach 
than Daphne or Fred. I mean, she is quite popular. But what about Shaggy? What about Scooby? I mean, they've always been front and center. So remember, the goal here is to take a unique turn to the show, to the premise. Okay. And hit their straying, which isn't a bad thing, but they're straying in such a way that isn't working because of how they're trying to do it. So our goal would be to try and do it. So how do we try and make it work? You want to, so you want to bring in a Scooby who is just a really manic dog. I want to bring in a Scooby that's just very animated, very interactive and involved still, even if he doesn't necessarily speak. If they want to make him speak, I would want to make him speak, I guess is that's the point. Scooby would talk. That would be the very least for me. All right. So Scooby would talk. Fred wouldn't be such a man child. Velma wouldn't be so wildly outcasted for whatever reason. It just seems like her level of outcast is extra. Like it doesn't need to be that bad. Sure. And you have to portray the unresolved trauma with her mom. Unless you're just removing that plot line. But sure, I will, for writing duties, I would make you handle how to incorporate Gooby in a way that doesn't seem outlandish into the school setting in which in which they're not constantly being like, hey, you can't have your dog here. Take him home. So I guess I didn't go with, hey, let's establish that they're seniors and leading off into maybe college or something. And Scooby would come into play at the end of season one, I feel like, because at this point, I'm going to lean into this already established universe of them being in school together, but they haven't gotten to the point of where they have a dog. Norville hasn't found Scooby yet because really seems like Norville's the one that, okay, in original Scooby-Doo, Shaggy seems like the primary care provider to Scoob. Okay. I would agree. I would say he does seem to be Shaggy's dog. It would be a buildup to eventually Norville being the one to find and adopt Scooby into the mystery gang and go from there. I'm good with that. Yeah. Season one ender would be him finding Scooby, maybe. Okay. So what we're saying is during this Force 4 episodes, we're not seeing Scooby at all. During the first season. Correct. I know, but we're doing a rewrite of the first four, so to speak. Okay. So if we're doing a rewrite of the first four, Scooby's omitted from this. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, it gives me a little bit more to work with. From there, I get the man-child thing. I would, obviously, like wholesale, just be removing the fourth wall breaking, which I think I've said repeatedly at this point, because it's not working for me. You know, she's not Deadpool. Don't need the constant, like, winks and nods and shit. It's not working for me. What would I think would be kind of a fun... Maybe it's maybe it's a little too much, but I would try with each episode ending with a unmasking, which I guess they almost did with the Fred part, but do an unmasking. Kind of. But it turns out that they're wrong each time. Oh, that would be great. Actually, yeah, I think that would be the better kind of humor to tackle if they're going to try and keep it lighthearted and still include if we're going to try and keep it lighthearted. This is the first time we're doing this this way, so I'm going to, it's going to take a little getting used to. I know, and it's fun. It's interesting. We'll see how well this works. I keep saying them, like, we're rewriting it for them, but really it's just our take of it. And so, anyway, that's where I would lead with that initially. 
for humor's sake, that would be a really fun take is to have them deal with these unmasking that turn out to be wrong because they somehow quickly identify that there's no way that that could have worked that way. Right. And I mean, I think it would have a lot of humor to it. And you could even do the buildup of like each episode is a different person trying to f- do the unmasking, figure it out. Right. Before they start to slowly come together towards the end of the season. And I would, I, I've read enough and seen enough to understand that there's always been a pretty strong hint of the Velma Daphne, like lesbian relationship. I would definitely keep it. I liked it. I think it could definitely develop in a way. And I like this idea of them being friends and just going separate ways because of changes. Sure. I'm not sure how to make Fred interesting. So I'd make, I'd leave that up to you. You don't want to be a man child. And I can understand that Norville thing. I would definitely like he, they tried so hard with the whole straight lace thing that it's the, I think you protest too much aspect. And if that's the intention, I would be, I would probably start showing some little hints. Maybe they've been there and we missed it, but otherwise I would change it. And yeah, he's straight laced, but you know, there's maybe he's part of another friend group and there's bad influences there. And so that's what leads him to befriend Velma. But then how do you get to Shaggy? It's a question. Yeah, it does. This is a tough one to figure out because I almost feel like it asks the question, should it have even been, should it have even been attempted? Did, any, did anybody ask for any kind of a remake of Scooby? Or, well, omitted, but either way. And I agree with that. And I think most things aren't asked for until you do it well enough that they're like, oh, that was well earned. Then, yeah. Who kind of came in and said, hey, let's make a Scooby-Doo a la Rick and Morty Big Mouth. Right. Somebody who just had the bright ideas and then pitched it. And somehow they won. I'd want to take it in a more serious route like I talked about. We're talking about the murder of folks. So I want there to be less of this, hey, suspend your disbelief. I'd reel that in. I wouldn't have a random leg get chopped off, which actually, now that I've been looking at the cast list and everything and thinking about it, I kind of feel like that is the character that Weird Al is playing. The one that keeps getting his leg chopped off. Isn't his character named Detached Tuba? Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think that that's is. I think that's his character or no dandruff tuba. Oh, OK, which not any better, but no, it's just not easy to get involved with that plot line when they don't even take the whole aspect of what they're doing seriously. And so it takes away from that. So I take that out. I take out the Daphne being extra stabby. The murders, albeit gratuitous i'll argue if they're trying to be grittier and also maybe a little bit realistic in some ways this is pretty dark and it's pretty thus and i'm okay with it i'm okay with the way that they've chosen to get gritty with the mysteries because original scooby-doo didn't tell any kind of murder mysteries typically unless they were like long deceased i feel like they didn't really delve into current 
murders and that sort of thing. So they weren't involved with the discovery of evidence. So that that I'm okay with. I'd leave that alone. I would just try to make the characters overall a little bit more likable, a little less awkward, and focus on good storytelling, right? It just right. feels like it's lacking good storytelling in the sense that there are a few plot points that we're interested in understanding the result of, but the substance that goes with it is very lacking. I still am interested in knowing what's coming, but I'm like, mm, everything in between is just in the way. I'd agree with some of that. I mean, more consistency in the story. I like the idea of a more adult show. It, it's not been done. It could be done. Originally, the live-action movies were supposed to be PG-13 before, like, Josie and the Pussycats came out, did terribly, so they cut the shit out of them and turned them into a PG movie. Yeah, they ranked it in hard. Correct. So I think there's room for it. It has been done and could be done. Doing murders is interesting. I think you can still have some comedy and let it breathe. As I brought up earlier, I like the idea of, like, each episode trying to solve it and failing as they have to learn and grow and eventually well, they start coming together and working together realizing their strengths and weaknesses before finally solving it yeah yeah and season one i do like i agree i like the their seniors they graduate at the end as they're like graduating life graduating being amateur detectives so to speak and move on to the next stage yeah and- yeah Maybe they queue up with college, start kind of experiencing a little bit of that college life, but it actually develops in a way that allows us to leave college in favor of their chosen, hey, we want to be investigators, right? Agreed. So as we mentioned earlier in the episode, we do intend on giving the full season a shot. I I am curious to know if it's going to be one of those shows where we're going to find out who the big bad is at the end of the season or if it's going to lean into the next one. I'd be curious to know how much of the story they actually reveal by the end of season one. Something tells me that we're probably going to be seeking out Velma's mom for at least a few episodes, if not longer. Yeah, well, and I would imagine like my prediction is that we're not going to solve Velma's mom. For season one. I mean, that's two big mysteries to solve in one go, and I don't feel like that works. Season yeah. one's going to be about who's killing these girls, but it will tie into Velma's mom and lead into season two, in which that's probably the, the major mystery. But there is the mystery of Daphne's parents, so maybe that starts playing out more, and I imagine we see that more in season one, leading into maybe the big mystery of season two. But how does that connect to Velma's mom? I'm not sure there, and yeah, yeah, maybe we'll come back and revisit with a slightly better idea of how that plays out. But I think that's how I would do it. For now, at least up to what we've seen so far, we've got two more episodes that we're going to be catching up on here soon, and there's four more episodes to the season beyond that. The final episode of season one is on February 9th, and so we should be hopefully caught up by then and ready to record a follow-up to this because... At this point, I've committed as far as I have, and I think it would be interesting to find out where it's going to go. Correct. At least finish the season. Spent this much time on it. Yeah. I'm going to put that one on you, though, bud. That's fine. I'll I'll make it happen. Also, (laughs) as a slight follow-up, I had to find out 
dandruff tuba played by weird al is the guy that keeps getting his fucking leg cut off of course it is of course it is and you know what i'm glad that weird al gets to be a part of this whether it's horrible or not whether it turns out pretty well towards the end perhaps i don't know it does appear based on imdb that the episodes are gradually increasing in their ranking granted there are quite a few more votes on the first four episodes than there are in the last two but yeah at least it's still up there on the popularity list it's number four on the top 100 tvs tv shows on imdb right now wow the last of us is number one that 90s show is number two the white lotus is number three which i haven't even heard of that one actually the white Uh, lotus yeah i do enjoy that show oh it's good it's a great little murder mystery so to speak but also just about the gratuitousness of wealth and what it brings velma comes in at number four beating out yellowstone wednesday i don't even understand at this point what i'm reading anymore right i'm curious how this list works because yeah it's rating is a 1.3 whereas last of us is 9.3 that 90 show is 6.5 which i've watched the first couple that was rough. I really want to see Red and Kitty doing their great dynamic again, but it's just hard to imagine that they're still dealing with the kids of their kids. Yeah, they're dealing with, well, they're dealing with their granddaughter. Don't get me wrong. I love those two characters. Hands down, they were the best part of that 70s show for me. But to bring well, them back in that 90s is like... What? And the premise is that the daughter comes to stay with them for the summer and that's it it's just going to be like a a summer thing maybe that means there will be shorter episodes overall i think it's like seven episodes or something or is it 10 it looks like 10 so far but okay it's 10 well it's netflix so it's all out Um, all right cool i'll check it out at some point but yeah it does have a little bit of a lower rating at least it's not like super low but yeah that is the first four episodes of velma and I don't hate it. I'm just not ecstatic about it. It's I'm not-, not mad. I'm just disappointed. There it is. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that you picked up on that. So we'll definitely be back with more of this one. Let us know what you guys think. Please send us a note here at feedback at we're2literary.com. We'd love to know what you thought of the show so far, if you've watched any of it, if you chose to watch it for fun if you hate watched it i honestly just curious what your take is and also any feedback you have for us that would be awesome we would greatly appreciate that and also i don't recommend hate watching anything it's no fun it really isn't if you are hate watching it give it a chance maybe watch a little bit more of it because like i said the ratings seem to be going up a little bit i don't know it is getting a little better and starting to congeal and make sense but we'll see how it progresses like I'm willing to finish out the season and suffer for the art. Sure, let's do it. But I'll also say that if it does get better from here, I'd be curious to know what our reactions would have been if we had recorded this after watching five and six, because they are available right now. But we wanted to get our thoughts out there before we lost all of them. (laughs) Agreed. We should be better taking notes. I would be curious to know how much different our opinions are going to be about the show from this point forward considering the slight raise in score although still under less votes that i've seen so far so 
Maybe we'll have a little follow-up after we watch the next two. A little amendment. Sure. sure. That may possibly come to be. So, as always, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Where to Larry. We love having you. This has been fun as always. Thank you for joining us. Hope to see you next time. Definitely. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it may be, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And you'll know when the next episode drops. So stay tuned and be well. And we'll catch you next time. I've been your host, Kenny. And I'm Jonathan. Take care. See ya.